Why do we pray? Is it because we want something or because we want someone? Because at the end of the day, if we come before God in prayer for only our needs, and don't get me wrong, he wants to hear our needs. But if the thing that motivates us to pray is because we need something, then ultimately we're treating God like a genie in the bottle that's just there for us for our every beck and call and need. Rather, going back to that analogy, being like a son or a daughter who sits on their father's lap simply because they want to spend time with their father. It is so important we we recognize this relationship that we have with God. As J.R. Packer said, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Let's pray before we pray on our prey. That's dumb. That's very, very wise. And those are the words that my precious family often hears before we pray over our meals. Do you guys even recognize the brilliance of that? You've also said... No, let- you don't. Potato... Let- what is it? No, no. I, that, please don't steal Let my us thunder. Tomato, <laughs> please potato. don't steal my thunder. So let me break it down for you guys to demonstrate the no, brilliance no, we get of my it. wisdom. No, no, no. <laughs> this is like don't. the joke all over again. <laughs> Let's, let us pray, right? Yes, We're gonna pray okay. A-Y. Pray E-Y. Right? when someone is gonna like an animal's gonna uh-huh. go on it. It's praying on our prey, which is the food. Yeah. <laughs> the Loving Waters podcast, the only podcast where you can guarantee things are going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And yes, Mark, sometimes I say potato, tomato, let us pray. Isn't that brilliant? Potato, tomato, let us, let us. Oh, pray. I finally got that one. <laughs> My Dude. poor family. I do also say, as I've said in the Legendary words of the famous theologian, M.C. Hammer. We've got to pray just to make it today. And one more, one more. Let's make like donkeys in Egypt and bray. No. Yes. And why is that? Because Egyptians don't pronounce P, they pronounce it B. Let's bray and donkeys bray. Thank you. Ray, why are your hands covering your <laughs> he head? He wants out. <laughs> because what his provide, life is going to We've got to provide some fast forward <laughs> a type thing where people just go, okay, Living Waters podcast, <laughs> zzz, okay. <laughs> it's over. It's done forever. <laughs> so, well, um, friends, if you've guessed by now, we're talking about prayer today. Eating? Oh. <laughs> you know how many people now all across the world will begin doing what I do in my family? Three. False. <laughs> Three wise men. They have a list of things not to do after listening to our podcast. Right. So prayer, guys. Do you guys even pray? Ever? I I often do. Ray is always in prayer. Have you noticed? Oh, yeah. Look at him praying right now that that. this would end quickly. P-R-A-Y. E-R. I'm always in prayer. And when Ray's taken out of prayer, it's meaningless. Puh. (laughs) (laughs) I actually do that with Kirk when Kirk Cameron first called the ministry. Uh, is Ray there? Oh, he's in prayer. The joke fell flat. He didn't get it. He I tried to explain it. it, went over his head, and he just got upset, I think. Yeah, when you have to explain <laughs> it, forget it. Was that when he was calling us Kirk Thomas? Kirk Thomas. Using his middle his name? middle name. Yeah. He asked me, and you didn't let him, you sent us in prayer? No, I tried to, it, did, it fell. Yeah. No, you did talk to him. <laughs> but aren't you used to that? Yeah. Joke's falling? <laughs> no. So, guys, prayer, I would say, very safely, 
is probably the most neglected spiritual discipline. I, I mean, if we can argue evangelism is a spiritual discipline, it might be second evangelism. But, but prayer is, I would say, really the biggest struggle for Christians, right? Do you disagree? Yes. Uh, you reminded me of something. Of course, I don't. You reminded Prove me of it. something years ago. Um, I hope I remember it. Prayer to you and I, because we're Christians, and God's opened the eyes of our understanding, is we can actually boldly come before the throne room of mighty God, ask what we will, and see it done by God's mercy and his grace and govern the destiny of nations. But the ungodly see prayer as being something different. Like my mother called once and said, I called um, a little earlier on, phoned up, but you were saying your prayers. And and it's like, yeah, I was cuddling my teddy bear and sitting in my room and saying my prayers. That's what it felt like. And that's how the, un- my mum wasn't a Christian that particular time, and that's how the ungodly see it. They don't see it for the powerhouse that it is. A wise man once said, more things are wrought, uh, Alfred Lord Tennyson, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Ooh, that's good. Ray, you actually used to pray as an unbeliever. Yes, I did. Your aunt taught you a prayer. Yeah, she taught me the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer. But I think my most earnest prayer that I pray, and I do it regularly, and it's with tears and and cries vehemently crying out as when is good surf at Huntington Beach that means there's no parks <laughs> and I'm praying for parking spots <laughs> so do you pray for bad surf oh yeah Lord. yeah I'm, You're the we're, we're going to film and I don't want to be late and I'm driving around and I'm oh Lord give me a parking because wow. God can do anything you open red seas but can he get me a park at Huntington Beach when the surf is good wow but uh, yeah it's funny if we could pray for revival as earnestly as we pray for a parking spot we'd see revival mm. Mark, um, you're not in prayer, obviously. I'm not. I mean, one letter of your name is M-A-R, two letters. Two letters. No K, no M. Boy, this is deep. Is this going to You're going to go in the Greek meaning? for elementary school students. <laughs> yes. Sesame Street will be calling us soon. But Mark, I, I know that as of late, you've become more passionate about prayer. You talk about how you actually use your commutes to pray. We talked about that, I think, on the last podcast. And... Do you, do you record your prayers, you said, sometimes? Sometimes I do. I will occasionally do that, especially if it's uh, for someone that I'm thinking about. I just hit record on my phone, and I'll send it to them and go, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm praying for you legitimately. Here, listen in. All right. uh, it's been said, a man who's lying down has no fear of falling down. God's army marches forward on their knees, and there's no other army that would do such a thing in order to uh, gain enemy territory. I, I think that it has, inside my life, become one of my most favorite hobbies because man will not accomplish as much as he possibly can without prayer. You know, we think, well, through our many actions, you know, how are you doing? You talk about this, Oscar, with how are you doing? I'm busy, as if that's a badge of honor, right? It's not a badge of honor just to be busy. What's going on inside your life? And oftentimes when we ask somebody, how are you? And we say what we're doing instead of how we're doing. Well, prayer oftentimes will get us to that place where we can really know how we're doing by based on what we pray. You know, uh, Jesse Johnson, you know, he went to Master Seminary, friend of the ministry, he came here. He had a, um, a professor who attended our church a while back, uh, uh, Dr. Roskup, oh, who yeah. has since gone home to be with the oh, Lord. He was amazing, that man. And he would rebuke people's prayers in the middle of their prayers as he taught people how to pray. I mean, here's an example, right? Uh, Lord, we just ask that you'd be with us right now. What does that even mean? 
I rebuke that. Yeah, it's like, well, what does that mean? Our sister has cancer. We just pray that you'd be with her. What are you saying? There's no depth to what you're saying. And our prayers are really reminiscent of what a a, a heathen's prayer would look like. Even non-Christians pray. Like Ray had said, I remember way back when I was in high school praying for something specific, and it was a sinful act. And I said, God, if you want to grant me this sinful act— I didn't use the word sinful, but if you grant this to me, then this will fall in order. And I remember praying this, and then this fell into place, so then I committed this sinful act, as if God was part of that. So prayer is not uncommon to uh, all different worldviews. You just reminded me, I, I've, I've since stopped uh, praying in, in this way of saying, like, Lord, we invite the Holy Spirit to be here with us today, before I preach a sermon, because... The Holy Spirit goes where he wishes. He's not waiting for my invitation. And furthermore, he makes a promise that we're two or more gathered. There he will be. So instead of inviting him now in my prayers, I'm like, we just recognize that you're here, that you are present before us. I think one of the, one of the biggest issues about prayer is honestly, it's, it's a lack of faith. You guys have heard me say this before, because if, if we prayed and above us, just giant wormhole open up and we can peer into the heavens and we can see God sitting on his throne with the cherub flying around him, singing, holy, holy, holy to the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And we saw him in all of his glory and all that he is worth and value. And we can see him leaning in to listen to our prayers. Man, I'd be in prayer all the time. And that's what's happening. That's the reality of prayer is that we are praying to our father in heaven who sits on the throne. But because we lack faith in what's happening, either in the relationship or his glory or the fact that he's actually listening and takes joy in our prayer, then we just go about, as you pointed out earlier, it's, it's just a weakness in our disciplines. Yeah. You know, there've been many times when before I've gone into prayer, I've intentionally paused to say, Lord, help me to understand what's happening right now. <laughs> that the eternal God of the universe is bending his ear to listen to me. I mean, we forget that. We just go in and sometimes it's evidenced by how we pray. I'm not saying that we have to always be exuberant and bouncing up and down. There are different modes that correlate to where we're at, right? Sometimes we're, we're weeping in prayer. Other times we're quiet. Other, but I'm saying oftentimes I think by our nonchalant attitude in prayer or the wandering of our mind in prayer, yeah. it's evidence that we have an issue. I think Spurgeon talked about how when we're distracted in prayer, it's like being distracted by a fly in the presence of a king, which Ray would be for sure. He'd tear the king's crown off his head to get that fly. He would, yes, of course. But seriously though, you know, and you think about what, what, what's happening in prayer that shifts the dynamic. Because we as people oftentimes are conversing with ourselves constantly. We're talking to ourselves about what's going on in our lives, what we're worried about, what's going to happen, what, and what's prayer? Prayer is the shift of the direction of communication from between a person and themselves to between a person and God. And when that shift happens, change is affected. God begins to move and work. So instead of wasting time constantly talking to ourselves about our issues, talk to the Lord about them and call out on Him. John MacArthur said, prayers are the nerves that move the muscles of omnipotence. Prayer is not an exercise in futility because God's will will be done in any case. Prayer is the means by which God's will is carried out. 
Hey listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has $100. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Uh, I, I want to recognize that there's a lot of people who feel uncomfortable praying because they feel like they they don't know how to pray that they don't have the words or they sound foolish or dumb or they just they they are hesitant and insecure about coming before God and to that person I just want to point out that you as a Christian are sons and daughters of a father in heaven who rules and reigns over all creation. Think about it like this. When my kids are little, when your kids are little and they sit on your lap and they're telling you about their day and they're stumbling over your, their words and they're saying things incorrectly, the incorrect words are some of the ones that you cherish the most. We've all got words that our kids said wrong that we just like like for us, there are times where we didn't even want to correct our children because we just thought what they were saying was so cute. Like we enjoy the fact that our children are interacting with us, are communicating with us. And that's exactly what's going on between you and the Lord. So worrying about jumbling up your words or not sounding like the like like the reformers that have come before us because you can't have these lofty prayers like none of that matters ultimately at the end of the day what you're doing is coming before your father in heaven and communicating with him which brings me to my other point that i want to make sure we hit on which is why do we pray is it because we want something or because we want someone Because at the end of the day, if we come before God in prayer for only our needs, and don't get me wrong, he wants to hear our needs. But if the thing that motivates us to pray is because we need something, then ultimately we're treating God like a genie in the bottle that's just there for us for our every beck and call and need. Rather, going back to that analogy, being like a son or a daughter who sits on their father's lap simply because they want to spend time with their father. It is so important we, rela- we recognize this relationship that we have with God. As J.R. Packer said, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Wow. That's so profound. I love it. You know, Ray, you have for years gotten up uh, in the middle of the night to pray. Is that still your prayer time? No, I did it for 38 years, but I stopped about two years ago. Really? There's a reason for it. Tell me. I kept falling asleep. <laughs> I'm not kidding. As I aged. Is that I'd, an age thing? Yeah, I'd get up and I th- this happened like night after night after night. I'd get on my knees, I'd start praying, and then about an hour later, I'd 
get up from my knees. <laughs> and I kept doing it. So I now pray in bed at night. I wake up in the night and I pray in bed. And I often snooze off and come back and just keep praying. So you still pray at night? What's yes, changed? I do. Yeah, the, the location has changed. Oh, the location. Uh, yeah, I'm now prostate... <laughs> Prostate, prostrate before the Lord. In, 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 <laughs> so a key to not falling asleep when you pray, perhaps, is to pray standing up. Yeah, I'd probably still fall asleep. <laughs> Eloquence and prayer. We're talking about it before, and I, I sometimes, I, I not sometimes. I know I don't pray eloquently. I much of my prayer is groaning because I think of the fate of the ungodly and tears. I don't know what to pray. It's just I'm overwhelmed by the size of the, the problem before us, the nations, the billions that don't know the Lord. And, and then think of these individuals, the mother in India with children clinging to her and thinking what's going to happen if she dies, her husband uh, you know, gets killed. Who's, and it just overwhelms me, and I've got this, this groan in my, in my heart. And I know that God doesn't like eloquence. I remember, I think it was D.L. Moody who said when a man prayed in a congregation, he said, uh, thank you, brother, that's one of the most eloquent prayers I've ever heard prayed to a Boston congregation. Oh, and I'm sure that's good. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's good. pretty powerful. And I think the Pharisee and the publican, remember what Jesus said, the, the Pharisee prayed thus to himself. He didn't get past the ceiling because he was in, in self-righteousness. And I think it's important to realize there are certain conditions with prayer. You can't go and visit a king or if I want to talk to the king, here's my cell number, get him, get him and give me a call. It's not going to happen. If you want to talk to a king, you've, there's got to be etiquette, there's got to be procedure, there's got to be humility. You may have to be told to change, get out of your gardening clothes because you're going to appear before the king. And so when we come before God, we've got to come in humility of heart, clothed in humility, yeah. with faith, nothing doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave driven of the sea. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So there are certain conditions to our prayers. But the key is to be like a little child, be humble of heart, and to make sure your prayers aren't selfish. Yeah. Well, Ray, what you said about those times of feeling overwhelmed. I think as believers, we all get to that place. And I love what Romans 8, 26 says, likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. That's where I take comfort and consolation in that because often I, here's a thought. What's the difference between importunity and vain repetition? Jesus encouraged importunity with a story of a man who asked his friend for bread and he kept pestering me. He says, okay, you know, I'll give it to you because you keep pestering me. You're importunity. You had importunity, difficult word to say. And he says, how much more will God answer your prayer if you come with importunity? I think of Joseph, not Joseph, Jacob saying to the angel, I'll not let you go till you bless me. And I come before the Lord and say, I'll not let you go. I don't want your blessing like Jacob. I just want to see you use us to reach the lost. So I've got even more confidence. So there is that importunity and the vain repetition of just keeping repeating a prayer, thinking that somehow you're going to impress God to move his hand. As Christians, God is impressed with a cross. So we have access to his presence behind that cross. We have access to his ear. What word are you saying? Importunity? Importunity. That's that a made-up word. It's a, it's a King James word. It just means persistence. <laughs> you not heard up. it before? Spell hey, it. Siri. I-M-P-U-N-T-I-T-Y. Importunity. Importunity. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm not the only one who's, who speaks very profound and eloquent oh, and deep sure. words uh-huh. that you guys don't understand. Anthropomorphic. But I love, I love what you touched on earlier, Oscar, faith. You know, Nothing blesses me more, and Mark does this a lot, actually, 
than when someone asks for prayer. Mark, a lot of times before you speak, you'll send out a group text. I'm about to speak, pray for me. That's a demonstration of faith. You're saying, I believe God will work through God's people interceding. And that to me is beautiful. You know, and here's the thing I think is so important in terms of our perspective. A lot of times we talk about the power of prayer. And I understand what people are meaning to a degree, but a lot of times I think what we say affects how we live if we don't think about the details of it. I think our focus should not be the power of prayer. It should be the power of God to answer prayer. Because sometimes, again, I do feel feeble in my prayers. I do feel like I wasn't clear-minded or I wasn't saying what I should have or whatever. But but when, when, I'm, when I'm focused on, God, you have power to answer my prayer, then I'm not discouraged in times when, when I feel like my prayers weren't effective. Because I remember it's God's power and ability, not mine, you know, not my own. Where's your favorite place to, place to pray? Have you got a favorite? I, well, I do have a prayer closet here at Living Waters. I, I like that. But to me, in my loft at home, it's now an enclosed place. That's where I, where I enjoy spending in time my with the car. Lord. I love that. In my, ca- my, my car is my favorite. Yeah. I, I just seem to break through to the heavens because I'm mm. praying God's help me survive. Yeah. <laughs> help me survive. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like that too, especially yeah. on long, long drives. I think to... there's something about being in a car that frees you up, especially when you're by yourself. I pray best when I'm by myself in yeah. the car, I think. It's, it's I, like actually, praying, isn't it? I like praying during worship music at church. And there's something, as, as we're all singing as a congregation, I'll just stop right there and I'll pray out loud, but, but not loudly where someone can hear me. And yeah. uh, I that's don't know, where, there's something about being amongst the members of my church and praying. That's where I get good ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I go crazy. I got my iPad and have to sit down. Because there's something about the what atmosphere. What noise does your iPad make? What's that? What <laughs> noise <laughs> Then I'd like to be able to see into the spiritual realm when God's people are worshiping if demons are fleeing. That's and good. there's a, free, a freedom of uh, the spirit. I don't know. You my best prayers are, are usually when I'm at uh, like death metal concerts and mosh, mosh pits <laughs> when Rachel's leading that makes sense yeah. when Rachel's singing did you guys notice that the disciples they didn't ask Jesus to teach them how to preach didn't teach them how to perform miracles of all the questions that are really recorded and they may have right it's just not recorded but they said teach us how to pray and there's something about the prayer life that the apostles saw in Jesus that they wanted to emanate I, I remember it was like 15 years ago, I had the opportunity, I went to uh, John Piper's church and I was talking to him in his foyer and he invited me to go inside of his office to pray with him before uh, the actual congregation and different missionaries and pastors are going to be with him. And everybody was throwing up their prayers and saying their prayers with reverence and stuff. And at the very end, John Piper had closed in prayer and there was this pause and it was, it was so, I was so taken back because it honestly felt like in a very reverential, respectful way, he reached his hand up into heaven, grabbed a hold of the earlobe of God, pulled it down and began to speak into his ear. And he was fully convinced that God was in that room and he was communing with him and he was going to receive the prayers that he was about to pray. And I remember opening up my eyes as he began to speak, looking at him like, this man is fully convinced God is in this room and he is talking to him and he has God's undivided attention. That moment changed my prayer life forever. Isn't that similar to what Jesus said around John 12 or something? I know you always hear me, but I say this for the sake of those that are around. 
I get that same sense, Mark, when I hear Paul Washer pray. It's like there's this pause usually. He'll address the Lord and then he'll pause and then it's like, wow. And, and that's how it should be. You know, again. He walks in the fear of the Lord that I remember when he visited oh, yeah. the ministry, I, did, I usually slap people on the back and trip them up and drop <laughs> spiders on their head. I didn't do that with Paul yeah. Washer. He's such a powerhouse for the Lord. But, you know, he's, he walks with the Lord and, and, and you see that. And Mark, that's such a great point. The disciples obviously looked at Jesus' prayer life, and, and Jesus prayed. I mean, Luke five sixteen. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And then we see the outworking of that, Luke six twelve. the next chapter. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So they're seeing God in the flesh, God the Son, pray to God the Father and the power of God the Holy Spirit. And yeah, they're like, teach us how to pray. And I love the simplicity. And that's obviously Luke 11, one through four, the simplicity of the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples. Remember when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and you have the demon-possessed individual and the disciples say, hey, we, we, can't, we can't cast out the demons. And Jesus said, this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. You've been looking at my notes. <laughs> he was not saying you need to pause momentarily, go pray, pause while you're out and go fast. No, you should be prayed and fasted up. Notice it doesn't say if you fast. It says when you fast, don't be like the Pharisees, right? There's that condition attached to it. We should be prayed up and we should be fasted up. These are, once again, two bedfellows of the same, two sides of the same coin. You know, uh, I love that scripture where uh, David, I think in scripture and in, in Psalm says, I humbled my soul with fasting. And that's what fasting does to me. It absolutely humbles me and realizes, makes me realize what a wretch I am. Because if you come near me when I'm fasting, you just better stand back because I lose my joy and anything makes me upset and angry. And I figured out why Jesus went into the wilderness to pray and fast. It's because you don't see people and won't rip their heads off if they talk to you if you're alone. Yeah, so prayer and fasting do go hand in hand and that's something that... Uh, that I, I absolutely hate with a perfect hatred, but it's something we have to do. I remember I was about to uh, do some open air preaching and you might have seen it in me, but you came to me and you said, Mark, are you nervous? And I said, yes. And you said, good. Yeah. A nervous man is a praying man. And isn't that when you go to God in prayer, you're demonstrating that you are not self-sufficient, yeah. that I am relying 100% upon you at this moment as we are every moment. We just don't recognize it. That's good. I think there's a few ways that we can practically encourage somebody who's maybe thinking to themselves, like, how can I go about strengthening my prayer life, understanding how to pray and make it a spiritual discipline or practice? I think one of the ways that we can do that is by praying through the Psalms. Every morning, just read a Psalm, read it for for how it's written, and then reword it in your own prayer life. Because these, these poets left us an entire book of some of their most intimate poems. And we have it there before us as a guidepost to help us pray to our Father in heaven. Uh, another good resource is the Valley of Visions, which is something that the, it's, a, it's it. a collection of prayers by the Puritans. Uh, and it's got lofty words and what have you in there. But what does lofty you can, mean? Up high. Okay. <laughs> 
But you can still use those prayers as a guide to what your prayer life could sound like. It gives you ideas on what to pray for and how to pray. So read one and then turn it into your own words and spend time with the Lord. You know, we should never be discouraged in prayer. If we had been there when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, no doubt Daniel prayed and we would have concluded God didn't answer his prayer as he was tossed in. And yet we know God did exceeding abundantly far above all that we could ask or think, and his ways aren't our ways, our thoughts aren't his thoughts. So it's important never to be discouraged in prayer and to come to the conclusion that God always answers, answers prayer, but he doesn't answer them ways that we think he should. That's the problem. You know, pray for someone to be healed, and they don't get healed. So what's going on? And Daniel prays, and Moses would have prayed, stand still and see the salvation of God, and God did something that yeah. was unspeakable, unthinkable. I love the saying that says God always answers prayer. It's, it's either yes, no, or wait. Right. And, and, and a day and, to the Lord's a thousand years. Yeah. Wait. And, and, when he, <laughs> right. and when, he says, when he says no, again, it, it, it's sometimes because it doesn't coincide with his perfect will. And I want to talk about that. But Easy, I'm this. sorry. I just got to say something. Did you send us a little video of an atheist in a car saying God make it thunder or something was it you that sent that no was it, you that it was sent, sent to me and I forwarded it to you yeah was that real? Neat. could you say yeah. what it's about yeah boy there was an atheist inside of a car and it says God if you're real let flash lightning right now and then lightning came and it was just like in this awkward moment where he didn't know how to respond in the cut <laughs> and didn't he say I, 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 didn't he say something I, I just have to um, rethink things for a minute I, think I don't remember what if he did say something, something. Was does very, it seem real Mark or yeah no it seemed fully legit wow. Oscar you mentioned the Psalms and and I, I like to do that. You know, I read through the Psalms every month. I read through the Proverbs and the Psalms every month. I do a proverb a day and then five Psalms a day. And, and when I read a Psalm before I go into prayer, it completely changes the mode and it inspires me, you know, in, in a mode of worship and praise. And oftentimes, depending on the Psalm, remembering who God is and his greatness and his love toward us. So, so that's really good. And look, we have to remember that scripture makes it clear. And this is, this is an issue of faith, of believing that God said in his word, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And that was James 5.16. Then he talks about Elijah after that. And he says, hey, Elijah had a nature just like ours. That was a good reminder. Sometimes we look at the saints of old, oh, God must have really heard their prayers. He had a nature like ours. He was a sinful man. He was a man who would struggle with doubts, uh, you know, for sure. But, but again, I think the focus was on God's power to move in what he did when Elijah prayed, you know, and so we need to remember that. And there are things that help me in prayer. I don't know if you guys have heard of the ACTS acronym, uh, but, but basically, yeah, it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It's based off of the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, it follows right. that, yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's, it, it has those elements in there. You adore God, you praise Him, you remember who He is, you confess your sin as you enter His presence, remembering that you, know, you, you need to be reconciled to the Lord practically. Obviously, our sins are paid for. And then you're thanking Him, and boy, is thanksgiving huge in prayer. You know, you think about what, what Paul said in Philippians about anxiety, right? Be anxious for nothing, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. But for all things with prayer and supplication, through the prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. When, when I thank God, it changes, again, my entire mode because I'm reminded of his goodness and his kindness and, and it, it fills me with a joy in prayer. You experience that, Ray? Yeah, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. And often, 
you hear husbands say, I don't pray with my wife. And you say, well, you're better. And they say, what do I say? I said, just begin with thanksgiving. Thank God for your wife. Thank God for your salvation. Thank God for your children. Thank God for your health, your house. And by the time you've got through that, you'll just be into, in moving from thanksgiving into praise yeah. because it comes naturally. You know, Dr. Roskup, we talked about him earlier. He uh, would make his students follow a pattern from Dr. Dick Eastman inside of his book, An Hour That Changes the World, A Practical Plan for Personal Prayer. And he grabs a hold of 12 different elements, grab a hold of those and put them in five-minute segments. And after you've prayed each one of these for five minutes, it equals an entire hour. And you couldn't do 20 minutes here and then 20 minutes an hour from now. It had to be done in an hour. And you had to record your prayer and turn that into Dr. Roscoe, and he would listen to your prayer, and he would guide uh, correct you doing it. But these are the 12 things, quickly, if you're looking for uh, perhaps a pattern. Besides what Oscar had said, pray in Scripture. What a great thing to do. Let's pray in God's Word. But here's also a, a good thing, perhaps, if it works for you. Number one, praise. Start off with praise. Two, confession. Three, thanksgiving. And remember, each one of these are done in five-minute intervals before you move on to the next one. Just start your timer, and then you're able to uh, follow along. Four, intercession, things in my own life. Five, petition for other people. Six, missions. Seven, church. Eight, evangelism. Nine, family. Ten, scripture and meditation. Eleven, prayer through the passage that you're reading for the day. And 12, finally, singing. And if you follow that little pie chart, if you would, five minutes for each one, you'll hit just, uh, you'll hit just over an hour. And was it John Wesley who said, you know, I have so much to do today that I had to spend the first three hours in prayer? Was Think it Martin Luther. Martin Luther? Yeah. Wow. Like, I mean, if we were to have that mindset, because you're going to accomplish far more through your prayers than through Yeah, hours. I have that quote here, in fact. He says, work, work from morning until late at night. In fact, I have so much to do that I shall have to spend the first three hours in prayer. <laughs> yeah, and the I whole love thing, that. I love think that. there's a wonderful analogy that I grabbed and used and botched a little bit, but if you're, if you're cutting down a, a tree with a blunt axe, yeah. Not getting anywhere, but if you stop, just stop and sharpen that axe. Take the time to sharpen the axe, you'll slice through with great ease. And what we've got to do is stop doing things in our own strength, stop and sharpen ourselves through prayer, and we'll slice through the day with great ease. Yeah, there's that other analogy or illustration too about the walnuts and the rice. You know, if you put the rice into the jar first and then try to put the walnuts, it's not going to fit. But if you put the walnuts in and then the rice, everything's going to trickle down in between and fit. And there's the other thing about the uh, chainsaw and the tree. Yeah. Um, and then and the there's tree. the one about the <laughs> cow <laughs> and the rooster. I walked on the moon. Have yeah. you guys heard the one about the mosquito <laughs> and the gnat? What about the spaghetti and the meatball? <laughs> I think it's time we end, isn't it? You know, well, listen, the, the, let, me, let me offer a book that I read that I've probably read 10 times or so. It's an unknown author. Who's the author? Unknown author. It's a clarion classic, is uh, the publisher. I wrote that. <laughs> Ray wrote it back in, I think it's like 1940 Forget something. It. Yeah, that was his first book. Uh, it, the book is called The Kneeling Christian. The Kneeling Christian by an unknown author. Nobody knows who it is. But like anything, you, you eat the, the meat and you spit out the bone, right? You, you're not going to agree with everything that is said there. I don't agree with everything I say. So <laughs> I disagree um, with I'm glad that. glad you're not the only one. In a world of many mouths and few ears, our God not only speaks but he listens. I don't know who said it besides me just now, but it's a good. Wow. And I think one element of prayer, I mean, we talked about those different ways to approach prayer. The last one to add in highlight was supplication. And then you cry out for others. And what a joy it is. It so connects you with people. 
I love it when I see someone that I've been praying for and I can legitimately say to them, I've been praying for you. How are you doing in this area? You can see from their reaction how love they felt. Yeah. Love they felt, how loved <laughs> they felt by you, that you actually cared enough to really pray for them. It shows that you, you, really, you really do care for them. You know? And when somebody says, pray for me, you know, I learned from Ray, you pause what you're doing and say, let's pray right now. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think one more element, and that's why I brought this up for us to remember one too. One more elephant? Yes, one more elephant in the room. In the room. In the room. <laughs> we said it at the same time, Mark. <laughs> you guys are always finishing each other's sandwiches. sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews eleven thirteen. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. We need to pray for persecuted Christians. Oh, and as we pray for them, we need to pray as if though it were us who were, who were in chains. How would we pray for ourselves or want others to pray for us or... You know, so that, that's really important. I love this quote by Elizabeth Elliot. She said, prayer lays hold of God's plan and becomes the link between his will and its accomplishments on earth. Amazing things happen, and we are given the privilege of being the channels of the Holy Spirit's prayer. Ooh, she encouraged me once. She was in a congregation I preached at back in 1990 when I first came over here. I think it was one of the first times I taught Hell's Best Kept Secret, and she came up afterwards, and I thought, boy, that's an encouragement. Oh. Just a small church. So you, think of the, you think of the, not that we endorse women preachers, but <laughs> when you think of, of, of her life and all that she went through, Jim Elliott, I mean, he's a legend. And they, her and those other women went back and laid down their lives for the sake of the gospel, going to the people that murdered their husbands, wow. Nate Saint's wife, and just amazing. Uh, Corey Temboom, any concern too small to be turned into a prayer is too small to be made into a burden. Well, I was reading quite, quite Corey Temboom this morning. She was a wealth of wisdom and wit. Oh, she was, yeah, amazing. I like this one. This quote says, God warms his hands at man's heart when he prays. Hmm. Come on now. That's good. That deserves a big amen. 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 Yeah, so, so guys, we need to remember that, that we're called to pray. I want to close us off with something. This, is, this has a, a little bit of... Just before you go there, though, I, I do want to hit where we started, which, again, for those who maybe just want a... who often feel distanced and removed from the relationship with God, prayer is such an, a, a wonderful opportunity to better understand his closeness and how near he is to you. Because in the end, we don't pray for results. We pray for a relationship. It is spending time with our Lord and Savior. Uh, that ought to be a main motivator for why we spend time in prayer. Right, because prayer is not a jackhammer that opens up God's will for mankind. As David Garland said, it's not a, a crowbar. You know, it's, we, we align our hearts with God's will. Yeah. You know, I, I want to leave off with, with this little story, but first a quote by the man who, who, who the story is about and, and who, uh, whose account I'm going to read, but it's Jay Sidlow Baxter. This is really powerful. He said, men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our person, but they are helpless against our prayers. And we need to remember that, you know, as Boy, we're dealing. That's good. Yeah, even with difficult people or people that come against us. Look, we, we go to God. I love what Ravenhill used to say. God has a record. God has a record. Was that a good English accent, Ray? Yeah, it was pretty good for you. God has a record. Boy, you've gone downhill now. <laughs> nice how English people roll their R's sometimes. 
But but Jay said Lo Baxter was a pastor, and one day he he looked at his desk, and it was strewn with with all these letters he had to answer, all these things he had to do, sermon he had to prepare, all this stuff, and, and he was overwhelmed. He said he said basically, ah, no time for prayer today, and then suddenly he got radically convicted, mm-hmm. and and yeah, he ended up writing something, and and, and really it deals with our emotions, because a lot of times we don't feel like praying if we're honest with ourselves. But, but I love how he put this here. It says, as never before, my will and I stood face to face. I asked my will the straight question, Will, are you ready for an hour of prayer? Will answered, here I am, and I'm quite ready if you are. So Will and I linked arms and turned to go for our time of prayer. At once, all the emotions began pulling the other way and protesting, we're not coming. I saw Will stagger just a bit, so I asked, can you stick it out, Will? And Will replied, yes, if you can. So Will went, and we got down to prayer. It was a struggle all the way through. At one point, one of those traitorous emotions had snared my imagination and had run off to the golf course, and it was all I could do to drag the wicked rascal back. At the end of that hour, if you had asked me, have you had a good time? I would have had to reply, no, it has been a wearying wrestle with contrary emotions and a taunt, taunt, truant imagination from beginning to end. What is more, that battle with the emotions continued for between two and three weeks. And if you had asked me at the end of that period, have you had a good time in your daily praying? I would have had to confess, no, at times it had seemed as though the heavens were brass and God too distant to hear and the Lord Jesus strangely aloof and prayer accomplishing nothing. Yet something was happening. For one thing, Will and I really taught the emotions that we were completely independent of them. Also, one morning, about two weeks after the the contest began, just when Will and I were going for another time of prayer, I overheard one of the emotions whisper to the other, come on, you guys, it's no use wasting any more time uh, resisting. They'll go just the same. Then another couple of weeks later, what do you think happened? During one of our prayer times, when Will and I were no more thinking of the emotions than of the man in the moon, one of the most vigorous of the emotions unexpectedly sprang up and shouted, Hallelujah! At which all the other emotions exclaimed, Amen! And for the first time, the whole of my being, intellect, will, and emotions, was united in one coordinated prayer operation. Isn't that just wonderful, you know, and, and relatable when we think about it, because that's what's going on. We have this wrestle with the emotions. We have to lead with our will and, and our intellect and trust that God's going to work it out. Well, that's good. I have trouble with squirrels, seriously, all the time. In <laughs> prayer. Yeah. Everything distracts me in prayer. That's why praying at midnight's good for me. Yeah. Can't see anything. And, and it's persevering, like, like Sid Baxter was talking about. You know, one of the things that we've all experienced when we go somewhere on a trip and we fly, sometimes there's really bad weather and the, the fl- plane goes up and it gets caught up in the clouds. My arms get tired. Yeah. And then you hear, the, you, you hear the noise of the turbulence and the plane begins to shake. You look out the window, it's dark, it's cloudy, gray, miserable. But if that plane continues on its trajectory, before long, something magnificent happens. It's, it's almost like this, and it breaks through the clouds. And now you look and you see this clear blue sky, the sun is shining, you look below, the clouds look beautiful and white and puffy, you don't hear that noise anymore, there's this calm, and everything changes. And that's how I feel it's like with prayer. I, I go into it so often, and, and it's just, ah, oh, my thoughts and distractions and noise, and, but I persist and persist, and there have been times where I've broken through those clouds, and I've honestly felt like I could stay in prayer for hours and hours. We have to persist. There's no such thing as an atheist in severe turbulence. 
<laughs> right. And Everybody prays. I remember I was talking to an atheist in a plane, and he, he wasn't praying, and I think something happened when we hit turbulence. He really did change his, in his demeanor because uh, everyone prays. I just figured out the answer to the question you asked earlier for me, which is where do we love praying most? For me, I think it's in the wilderness. On a mountain, on a hike, just somewhere absolutely surrounded by God's natural creation. That just brings me to a place of worship and prayer. That's how I am on the freeway. (laughs) (laughs) Let me comment on that as well. I mean, there's a spiritual metaphor with using the same word, and that is, don't we pray in the wilderness when we are spiritually in the wilderness, when we are going through it, through the thick and the thin? Vance Havner said sometimes God puts us on our backs so that we look up. And that often is the case, that when we are going through it, we realize and recognize that the Lord is with me. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, that has to come through the proper mindset that God is with me in the midst of it. And it may be a a bitter providence when we go through something that's difficult, but nevertheless, it is a providence, and God is with us and leading us and guiding us every step of the way. He's our buckler. He's our shield. He's our inheritance. He's our portion. He guides us with his eye, and we take refuge under the shadow of his wing every step until we hit glory. Yeah, I hope I can remember this, but I think that scripture that says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I love that word fervent. I think in the Greek it means hot. Effectual fervent, and this, it's what I call lion's den praying, because when you look up and you see lots of lions licking their lips and looking at you for lunch, that's when you pray. <laughs> like when Peter went to take a step on water, takes a step, and with that fervent prayer, he says, help. Yeah. Right? We think that by our many words that were heard, but truth be told, we're even commanded to not allow our words to be great and mighty and long when we're praying. God's not impressed with that. Yeah, he wants honest Peter, and Peter reminded you, did say, help, Lord. Help, it was direct. <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking to Judas or yeah. Thomas. Yeah, and you know, let's not forget why Jesus gave the parable in Luke 18 about the widow and the judge and how she continued to pester him. He started it by, it started by saying, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart because we're prone to. And so I hope this podcast has encouraged you today that you would yearn to live out 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. And that doesn't mean that we're constantly, literally uttering prayers. It means we're in a mode of prayer and in a mindset and a heart posture that recognizes God's presence everywhere. And and we know that we can commune with him at any time. Just before we go, I think you're winding down. Uh, If we could have asked you one one favor, please pray for us as a ministry. Yes, that's good. If you want something to pray for, pray for us because we want to reach this world with the gospel. Yeah, I've had people come up to me for years and say, you know, I pray for you guys regularly. You're on my prayer list. I pray for you every day. And if they gave me $1,000, it wouldn't compare to that. You know, and it's so valuable and so precious. So yes, friends, please do pray for us. Pray for the ministry. Pray that we walk in wisdom and holiness, that we continue to honor God and, and give him the glory in all that we do. And I want to encourage you again to connect with us, to, to give the podcast a rating, a comment, share it with others. Go to podcastatlivingwaters.com, comment there. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, encourage us. Uh, discourage all the other guys except me. <laughs> and make sure to let us know any topics on your mind that uh, we could address. And then check out the Evidence Bible at livingwaters.com. That will stir up your prayer life. There's so much in there uh, that applies to prayer and that we think you'll be inspired through. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters Podcast.
Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.